Babe, there's something different about my mango pineapple smoothie. Really? My caramel frappe tastes fine. Nah, something's definitely different. No difference? Other than I got them for half off because I ordered on the app. Well, that explains it. Explains what? How things seem to taste so much better when you're getting a sweet deal. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right now at Mickey D's, get 50% off any size McCafe beverage when you order through the McDonald's app. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Follow one time per day. Visit McDonald's app for details. Download and registration required. Virginia isn't for one type of person. Virginia is for road trippers. Are we there yet, Mountain hikers and dock sitters because they're not active hikers. People who are kayakers. People who are not kayakers. Campsite campers and horseback riders. Wow, there's a lot to fit in here. Flatwater lovers, beach sun tanners, hole-in-the-earth explorers, and Shenandoah valleyers. Should I keep going here? Well, you get the idea. Because Virginia is for all sorts of lovers. So come love it for yourself. Welcome to the Unscripted Podcast. My name is Corby LaCroix, and the song you're hearing right now is called Great and Mighty One, available on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your music. But for now, here's your host and my friend, Aaron Conrad. Great Redeemer, God of grace. All right, everybody, welcome back to Unscripted from my studios in Old Hilliard. And uh, my guest today needs no introduction. He is an all-star. He is a former Cleveland Cavalier, and it's Mark Price. Like, I don't know what else to say. I could go through your whole bio, but we, you know, we want to keep things on a, on the short on your time. So, Mark, welcome back, my friend. It's always good to be with you, Aaron. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. All right, so I, I got to tell everybody this. Um, last night we were messaging and trying to get our schedules connected, and my favorite part is you messaged back and said, you were at quiet practice and you had to uh, get back to me when you got home. So there was a question I got on Facebook. Are you, does he still sing? Apparently you still do. Let's talk about that. Like just right out of the gate. Let's talk about that. Are you still in the choir and do you still sing? I do. I, uh, it's, it's funny because, uh, I haven't, you know, done a lot of singing for the last 20 years, just with, you know, coaching and, moving around different places and, and just never really had time to do it. But, uh, we moved back to Atlanta a year ago, but we started going to uh, first Baptist Atlanta, uh, Charles Stanley, who I'm sure you're familiar with his church, although he's retired now, they have a new pastor. He's fantastic. His name being. But, um, so we go, and then, I mean, he was, he was unbelievable. And my wife and I both said, this is where we want, want to go to church. And, uh, my daughter, one of my daughters who lived in Atlanta went and with us with her husband. And uh, they actually have a choir, which I know a lot of churches now don't have choirs anymore. But uh, they were singing, and it was awesome. Like, Dad, you need to sing in the choir. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, I don't know, I got convicted about it. And I was like, well, I'm here. I've got some time now, so I'm going to join the choir. So I've been singing in the choir now for about six months. Uh been awesome. Uh, I love it. Uh, it's been fun getting back uh, to sing again and obviously getting to sing uh, for the Lord. And, and uh, that makes it even better. I'm going to guess you're a tenor. Or are you a bass? I am. I'm probably more of a second tenor. Uh, I'm not there you go. a high screeching, super high. I can hit, hit the high notes, but I got to get off of them pretty quick. I can't <laughs> hang on to them very long. 
Love it. I love it. Literally, I got the biggest smile on my face last night when I saw when I saw your messages that I was at choir practice. I'm like, man, my Mark, my man Mark is still in the choir. He's still getting it done, man. I love that. I love that so much. I really do. I, I genuinely do. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, all right, transitioning quickly. Uh, I tweeted you today because, um, you know, I, you know me. I like my CCM, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But, um, man, 1994. Do you believe that, Mark? 1994, Billy Graham Crusade, Cleveland Stadium. I was with my my girlfriend, who is now my bride, and I remember leaning over and saying, if Mark Price walks out on the stage, this place is going to go crazy. <laughs> so it was Billy Graham, DC Talk, uh, Michael W. Smith. Is there anybody I'm missing? My dad works security, like backstage at the thing. Like it was incredible, man. Is there anybody I'm missing? And and how incredible was the Billy Graham Crusade in 1994 at Old Cleveland Stadium? It was uh, it was definitely one of the most unbelievable experiences of my life. Uh, Eighty thousand people packed Cleveland Stadium to come to Billy Graham and Michael W. Smith and DC Talk, and somehow I got thrown in the mix. And, uh, you know, it was even getting to be out on stage, but being behind and praying with Billy Graham and these guys before the service and then going out there. And, and it was funny because one of the new Christian, uh, about Christian music that recently came out, I can't remember what the title of it was, that kind of showed the history of contemporary Christian. You know what I'm talking about? Right. Um, it recently came out. Well, I, I went to watch it in, in, uh, Toby Mack was was part of, of that of that movie, and it showed footage of that Billy Graham crusade. And I actually made it in the movie. <laughs> I'm sitting up on the platform next to Billy Graham and Michael, and uh, it was really really cool. They uh, and Michael W. Smith was was part of that too. So it was just incredible. But uh, you know, to get a chance to get up and share my faith, but just more than more than. <laughs> More than even getting to do that, which I was thrilled to get to share with 80,000 people in Cleveland. But um, to, to meet Billy Graham, because he was huge. He's, he's, he was just one of my heroes right. uh, of the faith. I mean, I put Billy Graham. He's, he's up there with Paul and all the guys That's in the right. scriptures in my mind. Right. He's just uh, unbelievable, unbelievable uh, evangelist, uh, just consistent message people need the lord and, and it was just it was awesome and to be a part of that was uh anything i could have done in cleveland on the basketball court paled by comparison uh by far to being a part of that event it was unbelievable and that's what's so amazing about you mark is is i think your mission field was the basketball court and um because like i said i leaned over and i said if mark price walks out this place is going to go crazy. Cleveland, as you know, is a sports town and we, we lived and died by our heroes. And and here's, you know, what, a, what an incredible ministry the Billy Graham crusade was way back in the day, long before you and I, all the way to the moment you walk out on that stage with a band that's the hottest in the nation, DC talk at the moment, uh, Michael W. Smith, who's got songs on regular radio, let alone Christian radio. And then, you know, you walk out, man, it, it, uh, it was a moment. I remember it. And it's just funny that I thought of it today. I promise you, I, did, I literally just thought of it this morning. All right. We are on today because of one thing I want to talk about is you're coming back to Cleveland in July, correct? I am. 
I am July 11th through the 14th. I'm going to be bringing my basketball camp uh, back to the Cleveland area. Uh, haven't been, haven't, well, since I played for the Cavs. However many years ago, I'm not going to try to say that was. A few. It's a few. Yeah, I'm bringing my basketball camp back to the Cleveland area. It's going to be at Avon Lake High School. And so uh, just want to share my tools and give my thoughts and wisdom to uh, to the kids that are wanting to be future basketball players and help give them some tools to, to reach their goals because uh, – things I teach at my camp are the things that I, I did growing up to allow me to become a good basketball player. And I love uh, sharing that. Hopefully uh, we'll get a good turnout. Hopefully uh, they'll come and be a part. I know uh, for a lot of the kids, I'm, I'm an old guy from the past and I know their parents know who I am. All the kids do <laughs> right. anymore, but uh, it's always fun. And uh, at least YouTube's got a, it's a tool for, for some good things. Cause I can always tell them, Hey, you can go check me out. If you don't believe me. <laughs> well, it's funny, Mark. I, I worked at a, a, in a previous life, I worked at a facility that was a uh, Bo Jackson's facility. And you know, same, same thing. The parents all would walk in and see the memorabilia on the wall and be like, man, you know, you could see him go, like going back in time to uh, to when Bo was Bo, and then the kids were like, "Whatever." They just walked right in the facility. But at the end of the day, I can promise you, in Cleveland, that's going to be a big deal because at the end of the day, you you man, you know how to shoot the rock. So I have a feeling if it look if I still lived in Cleveland, I had my feeling my son would be at your camp. So what's the age group for your camp? So everybody knows, uh, and they can get signed up for that. What's the age group? Yeah, I believe right now they have it listed as either 10 or 11 to, you know, 16 or something like that. So in that age okay. group, but it's obviously flexible if you're, even if you're a little younger, but you're able to handle the ball, get a ball to a 10 foot goal without any problem. You know, we obviously will be flexibility there, but, uh, you know, we kind of put an age bracket there just to, uh, to get it out and uh, hopefully get people excited about it. What, uh, it's multiple days, correct? It is going to be four day, four day camp, a lot of, uh, do a lot of skill work. Uh, you know, a lot of camps that I see over the years. Uh, I know the one thing that, uh, the comment that I've always gotten from parents is you actually teach our kids something at these camps, you know, a lot of camps, they kind of get them and roll the ball out, play games all day and let's have a good time. But, uh, I've just always felt like, you know, they're coming to my camp. I want them to leave with something, you know, and that's something I emphasize with, with, uh, with the kids all week during the camp is uh, if you take one or two things from here and, and you work on it every day, you know, that's how you become better. You know, you don't yeah. become better just because you go to a camp for four days. But if you right. take that information, you take the tools, and now you start applying it, working on those things every day that's you'll start seeing yourself get better and improving. And that's exciting. That's the exciting part about it. Is there a, um, a category for 52 year old former intramural champions? Do you have a camp for that? Is... <laughs> well, it's, it's funny. I, on, on Twitter, I've got half of the responses are, can I come? I'm 41. Can I come? <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to think about having a 35 and over <laughs> camp or something, man. It could be a moneymaker uh, for you, Mark. I'm proud of you. 
I know a guy that could work the camp. I just don't want to have like 10 Achilles tears and blown out knees. (laughs) Everybody's coming to the camp. But, you know, hey, we can talk about fantasy camps and things like that. So who knows? I need to to put that in, put that out there to see what interest level. It's going to be a lot of fun. Awesome. I'll have it in the, I'll have it in the post. I'll have it in anything that we share. Uh, we'll have the link in there and it's again, it's 11 to 16. And so I, one of the things I noticed on there is there's Mark price basketball. Uh, is, is that uh, like a business for you now? Is that what you are doing now for, for, for anybody listening? Cause I know everybody's like, what's he up to now? What are you doing now? Is that Mark price basketball? Is that like a, a continual, I know you do camps in Atlanta. You're coming up to Cleveland. Is that what you do now? Well, I'm just kind of starting about a, a year ago with all the transition and things that were going on, and, and I just kind of have been mulling in, you know, what's next and, and, and that sort of thing. We kind of came up, uh, actually, a guy named Ron Warner, uh, a friend of mine from the Cleveland area, kind of said, you need to start getting our, your brand out there. It's valuable. It's like you right. can really help a lot of people and so uh, we kind of came up with this smart price basketball idea and you know we're working on a putting together a website eventually that's going to kind of have everything from you know one stop shop kind kind of if you want me to do a camp or speaking opportunities to you know uh, businesses or churches or you know fca groups or or you know just all the things that i do that are kind of incorporated in and around basketball, uh, even sh- opportunities to share my faith and things like that. So uh, it's kind of a work in progress right now, but uh, the, most of the stuff that I, you know, do, I'm going to kind of, kind of use that, that Mark Price basketball umbrella uh, that, that everything will kind of hopefully flow through at some point. It's a work in progress. Uh, let's talk faith. Um, how hard was it to be in the NBA and maintain your faith? Well, it definitely, you know, can be a challenge. I think, you know, as many people have seen the trials and travails of, of guys over the years in professional sports, I think uh, you're kind of put up on a pedestal um, in a lot of ways. Guys have, you know, money or, you know, whatever there. But for me, it was uh, a matter of obviously Christ was the center of my life and, and, and the purpose that I played and wanted to honor him. And so I tried to do everything I could to, you know, keep myself surrounded, first of all, with, with good people, people that I trust. Uh, I always felt like it was very important, uh, you know, that I was always involved actively in a church wherever I was at. Uh, while I was in the Cleveland area, we lived in Hudson, Ohio, but we actually went to the chapel in Akron, uh, Newt Larson was the pastor, and, uh, right. you know, just, uh, you know, it was just so good, even though I wasn't, you know, because of our travel or having to play on certain times, we weren't able to go all the time. We tried to be as consistent as we could. If I was home on a Sunday, we went to church and I just feel like that that's really, really important. I think when yeah. guys start getting off track, it's kind of when they, they quit doing the things that, uh, keep our hearts close to the Lord. And I, I just, I'm a big believer in the local church and trying to, to be active in that. I also sang with a couple guys from the chapel, the music director, uh, 
there and, and another guy. And that's uh, the year I blew my knee out, um, my ACL. I had a year on my hands and I was like, well, I'm going I'm to do an album. <laughs> and so uh, we uh, got together. <laughs> You got put an album together. We did it. It was a lot of fun. And actually sang it after a game, you know, one one night uh, at the Coliseum. Uh, and I never, I never forget, I think it was Bill Fitch who was coaching the New Jersey Nets at the time. And we played them. And, and we were beating them or something. And uh, I got fouled one time. And, re- and I remember him saying to the ref, well, he must have given you tickets to his concert after the game if you're going to make that call. <laughs> so, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was fun. A little, a little scary, honestly. I mean, I was used to playing in front of 20,000 people on the court. I didn't even think about it. But all of a sudden, you know, half the, you know, 10,000 people stay and they want to hear hear a concert and I'm singing. And it was kind of cool, but it was, uh, it was a little, little different, nerve-wracking at the time. But uh, – it's so much fun, but um, yeah, I think just being purposeful. We uh, we had a chapel program uh, for our team uh, before the games uh, with uh, athletes in action. A guy named Tom Petersburg who did a great job, and so you know that was just another another influence that, that was around me, uh, and I just tried to you know do all I could to surround myself and you know stay. Stay in the world. Do those things that that keep you on track. I swear, Mark. I I I I don't remember perfectly, but I swear I was at that night when you sang. After, I'm pretty sure I brought my future brother-in-law with me because he was like my bestie. He was like eight. Must have not been that good. I feel like we were there. I really do. Like I feel like we we came to that because you were singing, and it was uh you know again he was in like eighth grade, seventh grade at the time, and and I was dating his sister, and I remember bringing him because you know again it was just he was a huge fan of yours, just like I was, and so uh, I feel like I was there anyway. That that just took me way back. But so what, were there teammates that you leaned on? Like, did you guys like have you know you mentioned a chapel? Did, were there teammates or were there other guys in the NBA that you? I don't want to say looked up to, but, but partnered with, I know there's guys that circle at, at the, you know, half court and pray nowadays. And I'm not, I'm not minimizing that. That's awesome. Um, were there guys that you connected with in the NBA? We didn't have texts back then. We just said, I don't even know if we had pagers at that point, Mark. but they, they, like, were there guys that you connected with? Yeah, it wasn't, uh, you kind of knew, you kind of knew uh, which guys around the league were strong believers. And typically most, not every team, but most teams had a chapel. A program, and it was open to both. It was open to both teams, and so you you would see guys, you know, in chapel before the games, uh, guys from the other teams, and and so you would uh, you were you'd be aware of other other believers and uh, and things like that. But on our team, guys like Brad Doherty, Craig Elo, uh, they were probably my, you know uh, the guys that were more consistent coming to the chapel stuff uh, for us. And we had different guys throughout the years that, you know, would come and come and go. But, uh, but it was, uh, you know, such a great, great ministry, uh, you know, to offer the players an opportunity uh, to come do that before, before games. I was always appreciative of the Cavs organization for allowing us to have that. So you said it was before games. Was there ever somebody in the chapel that you had to go out and, 
you know, you hit a three against or, you know, like, did that ever get awkward at any point? I'm just dying to know. I really am. But one of the coolest things about uh, the chapel thing, I remember it so clearly because it was my rookie year and I was still trying to make my way. I was coming off the bench, trying to make, find my place and we're playing Philadelphia and I'm sitting in chapel. And of course I'm a rookie. So I'm one of the first guys there, right? I'm not, you know, I'm not the cool guy coming in late. So we're all about to start the chapel and uh, in walks Dr. J. No Julie Serving. No yeah. That's what I was. That's, that's what I thought when I first saw I was like, no way. But uh, he kind of walked by and as he just casually walked by me, he said, hey, Mark, how you doing? And I just, my mouth was probably hit the floor. because Like mine you know, is right now, right? Of all time, a guy that I obviously admired and he knew who I was. And yeah. I just thought, man, it was really cool. And then after the game, I, on the way home, I was just like, and I share this a lot when I share my faith and my testimony. It's like, that's like, as cool as that was, like one day we're going to get to go before Jesus, you know, and God, right. and we go to heaven, and they're going to say, hey, Mark, how you doing? Come on. Man. I mean, how awesome is that? So right. I always relate right. that story because it's such a, you know, just a cool thing. Here I was just a nobody rookie, and here's Dr. J. Everybody knew Dr. J. And uh, right. he he knew who I was. And so right. I thought, man, that's, that's pretty cool. Man, that's the, what an incredible tie-in because you're right. He does know our name, you know, and I know everybody's going through their struggles. I mean, the last couple of years has been tough for a lot of people, right, from from a lot of different perspectives. Yeah. But, man, he knows our name. And everybody's like, to this day, I mean, he's he's the OG, as the kids say, like Dr. J. Everybody knows who Dr. J is. He's still in commercials. He's still, man, that's nothing compared to eternity. And uh, the fact that Jesus knows our name, what a, what a great, what a great uh, tie in and analogy. That's amazing. Hey everyone. My name is Cammie Prannell and I'm the executive director for My Unscripted. We hope you are enjoying today's interview. My Unscripted is dedicated to helping others find their voice, passion, and follow their dreams. Our team can help create websites, apps, YouTube channels, podcasts, media, and social content. Whatever your passion and vision, we can help. Our good friend Manny Ahomi of Samaritan's Feet once said, make sure your dreams and goals are big enough to create room for others to join you. We've created room for you to join us too. Find out more at myunscripted.com. Now let's join Aaron for the second half of today's interview. So let's move to Christian music because you and I, you know, we, we've exchanged some tweets about CCM, right? So back when you, we, we already talked about DC Talk, Mark, um, uh, Michael W. Smith. I know we've exchanged about for him. I don't want to take it away. Who were your like CCM, your Christian music bands that influenced you back in the eighties? You know, as I became a believer when, at the age of 17, when I was in high school. So we're talking, you know, probably 19, you know, late seventies, early eighties was just kind of when contemporary Christian music was coming on the scene. And I remember going to a youth group uh, in high school and the youth director was really kind of wanting to give the kids a, a music option other than, you know, the worldly options that are out there. And he started 
kind of pumping us with some up and coming Christian stuff. And I remember the very first, what you would call contemporary Christian uh, group was the Sweet Comfort Band. And uh, Brian Duncan, he's one of the all time voices, you know, and what's been funny is I've connected with him on Twitter because, you know, I was like, I saw something and I kind of reached out to him because he was one of my favorite and then found out I was his favorite basketball player. So it's just like, you know, you know, but it's really cool. But uh, so Sweet Comfort Band kind of got it started. And then, of course, you know, Russ Taft came on with the Imperials. And I was an Imperials junkie. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're one of the all time. I mean, just so many great songs. And and, uh, Russ Taft was the man, uh, no doubt. Um, And then he pushed it. It was like, and then I got into Petra. Petra, Petra so was good. You know, so good. Petra was you know, my Christian rock group. Uh, Greg right. Exbolts, his voice, and it was funny because the the bass guitarist at the time for for Petra was from Enid, Oklahoma, my hometown. There you go, Mark Kelly. Yeah. And so they actually came and did a live concert in Enid, and my parents, you know, <laughs> they were against you know, the Christian rock stuff. I mean, That's at right. the time, and didn't. So I remember kind of sneaking out of the house. You know, I was. I send to go to a Christian concert, right? <laughs> I disobey my parents to go to a Christian concert. You know, and one of those kind of deals. And, so good. And so it was just the most amazing. They were in fatigues and they were just going at it, you know, never say die album, you know, praise oh, you the so Lord. Yeah. Like, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. And so, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I was, I was a, you know, Christian music junkie all through the years. And I, I like all genres, you know, uh, but uh, I grew up singing gospel music, Southern gospel music with uh, my family. So I, I love gospel music as well, quartet music, all that kind of stuff. And then, uh, you know, the contemporary stuff, you know, uh, and all that. But uh, For Him was a group I loved. Uh, so good, my yeah. cousin, my first cousin that uh, is in Point of Grace. You know, they were one of the all time. Okay. Right. Denise Jones. Uh, uh, my dad's sister's daughter. And so, uh, you know, I actually helped them get their start. They were four girls singing from college at the time, just starting. They, they weren't even called Point of Grace there. And a guy ran a Christian music festival that I knew in Cleveland area every summer. And I talked him into letting them come sing, you know, and, and then they kind of go on to be, I don't know how many number one hits they had, but uh, they were awesome. But uh, so, so we're uh, breaking it, news uh, here. Wait, Mark Price started, well, at least got got Point of Grace their start. Is that what we're, is that right? Well, kind That's of, amazing. yeah. <laughs> uh, and so it was, uh, you know, so I, I just love, I just love Christian music and yeah. those are, you know, all, all the groups, of course, now Mercy Me, you know. Bart, Bart Miller, and we connected on Twitter as well. And, and so yep. to, I get to kind of fanboy, you know, my favorite singer now and, uh, and find out that they're basketball fans. So who figures? That's right. All right. So, uh, and I do want to ask you a question regarding Christian music in a second, but, uh, I, we got to, because you brought him up. Uh, so Bart Millard, um, 
and so I think you and I have exchanged some messages, but, uh, Gary Miracle, who most people that listen to this podcast know Gary Miracle is a good friend of mine. Um, you know, he's in the say, I won't video. He's a good friend of the bands. They've known each other forever. So anyway, right after our interview, um, I think it was like a week later, <laughs> he posted a picture backstage with mercy me and, uh, Gary was in town. We were doing this big old event for Gary and, we were backstage with Mercy Me. And so I had the chance and I said, Mark, uh, I said, Bart, um, what's the deal with Mark Price? Like, how, how do y'all know each other? Like who contacted who? And <laughs> Bart let me know that he was still a little bitter that the Cavs drafted, uh, <laughs> or I'm sorry, the Mavs drafted you and then traded you because he's a huge Mavs fan. <laughs> so Bart, Bart's still a little upset and uh, it's been many years. And I don't remember he, who he said, who contacted you. Cause honestly, Mark, I was fanboying too. I'm standing there like, man, I'm talking to Bart right now. And this is amazing. This is the most amazing thing ever. But <laughs> the only thing I remember walking away was like, wow, he's still bitter that the Mavs drafted you and traded you. <laughs> yeah, he told me that story as well. When, uh, when we met, but it was funny because you never know when on Twitter, uh, I got a follow from Bart Millar, you know, and, right. You don't even know if it's really him, you right, know. And so, right. kind of, I, I, I hit, you know, hit at him, followed him, and 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 DM and said, "Hey, I don't know if you're the real guy or whatever, but just wanted you to know I love your music. It ministers to me. This and that, and just kind of expecting I would never hear back, kind of deal. Right. And I mean, a couple of days later, he, tech, you know, tweets me back and. Was like, is this the real Mark? <laughs> That's right. That's right. I don't know. Is this the real Mark Millar? <laughs> I said, hey, we're, we were already had tickets to his concert. I said, we're going to be at the concert. And I said, you know, more than anything for me, my wife loves Mercy Me. And I said, my wife would love to meet you. And so he got us back. And that was really, really cool. Well, Gary was going to jump in here. I have not seen him yet in the waiting room. So just know this. I was texting with Gary. He's like, I got to meet that guy. So Gary Miracle wants to meet Mark Price. So we'll make that happen sometime. If he doesn't jump in here at some point during this interview, sorry for the spoiler alert. Okay. So you're warming up in an NBA game. You got your beats on, your ear, AirPod, whatever headset you have in today's NBA. What music are you listening to? Uh to put you on the spot. <laughs> yeah, I'd definitely do a, probably before a game, I'd be wanting to get pumped up or something. So I'd, I'd probably be jamming with Petra. <laughs> so, were, you, were you a Striper fan ever at any point? Uh, I, I, I never kind of went that far with the, okay, with that's the Striper. But I'm not going to lie. Uh, I think they had a couple songs that were okay, but yeah, yeah they... Uh, that was, that was the really rebellious Christian age, right? Like there was Petra, yeah, and then if you were really rebellious, you went with Striper. Right, yeah, yeah. But uh, well, I know they were really popular, but uh, yeah, Petra was kind of my extreme. <laughs> my, my extreme that I went with the uh, Christian rock stuff, so. Greatest album covers ever from Petra. Like they, they just, they knew how to make an album cover. All right. (laughs) Since the last time we spoke, the, I remember you specifically said, you know, Hey, if the Cavs want to get some all-stars, they got to be good. And then they turned around, they did it. So maybe they listened to our episode. I'm going to, I'm going to believe that they listened to us, that you and I, and uh, Darius Garland went out and just did it this year. They all did. And uh, what a showing for the Cleveland 
for the Cavs. Can you talk a little bit about how exciting the Cavs were to watch this year? Do you still watch a lot of NBA, Mark? You know, I uh, I do watch some. I, you know, I didn't because unless they're on national TV, I don't get the Cleveland, you know, home stuff or anything like that. So I didn't get to see the Cavs play a lot, but I got to see them play a, a couple times. And uh, it was obviously I, I'm, I'm a big uh, Darius Garland fan. I think he's got a chance to be – he already is a terrific player, but he's got a chance right. to have a terrific career. Uh, if he can stay healthy, and that's always, that's always the key uh, right. at that level. But uh, I think, you know, it was a mixed blessing when Sexton got hurt because, yeah. you know, I think they were – Garland and Sexton, I think it wasn't that they had issues with each other. I just think the way – you know, you can only kind of have one dominant ball, ball handler when you play. And, right. and I think early on – they struggled to kind of find what that was between them. And so when, when Sexton got hurt, I mean, the ball was, was Garland's now. And right. he just kind of took that on and really got in his groove. And I think it'll be really interesting to see what the Cavs do moving forward because obviously when you have a talent like uh, Colin Sexton, I mean, uh, you know, it's, you know, that's a guy that can just flat out go get you a bucket, you know, uh, one of those kind of guys. And those guys are hard to find. So, uh, right. but can, you know, the chemistry and the things in the way, especially with the young bigs that they had, I mean, they had such a rhythm with, uh, you know, you hate to say when, when Sexton got hurt, it'll be interesting to see how all that works out. Uh, you know, I, I think they can make it work. Uh, it'll take some give and take by the players and how good they want to be as a team. Are they going to put the yeah. team ahead of what I want? That's always right. the challenge uh, at the NBA level uh, to get guys. I, I think the Cavs did that this year. Uh, and that's why they were able to have a really good season. They, they liked each other. They liked playing together. And when you have that at the NBA level, then you got a chance to be really good. Uh, yeah. You know, because that's not the norm <laughs> no. uh, for any of NBA fans that want to know it's uh, most teams aren't like that. So right. when you get a group of guys that mesh and they like each other and they like playing together and they're not worried about who has the most points at the end of the game, uh, every night, uh, it reminded me a lot of our teams, uh, uh-huh. you know, while right. I was with the cat, just a bunch of good guys, all we cared about was winning. Um, yeah. We all, you know, and I, I went back, you know, the first time we met, and I said, when the Cavs start winning, that's when the accolades come. And I think right. a lot of times right. players put the cart before the horse. They want to be an all-star. They want to be this. But how about just going out and winning games and becoming yeah. a good team? And then, you know what? Then you're going to start getting noticed. Mm-hmm. And that, that's exactly what happened. Uh, the Cavs played really well and got two all-stars this year, which was fantastic. And, and um uh, you know, hopefully they'll uh, keep moving forward. You know, I think it's mm-hmm. exciting. I do know that no one expected anything from them this year. So no I think no sometimes, it's, sometimes it's dangerous to – they had a really good year, but the expectation level now is going to be super right. high going into next year. So that's right. that brings on a whole new set of challenges for, for the young players, you know, to grow that – you know, when they show up at a game, teams are going to be right. giving them their best shot. At night. Right. And that's something you got to grow as a player, as 
as you become a good team and you, be, you become a team that's in the mix, now teams look at you differently. And so they get up for you when you come into play. And uh, you got to be able to meet that challenge every night. So it'll be interesting to watch them as they move forward. They certainly have the talent to uh, to continue to get better and better. But, uh, you know, it's not always how it plays out. You just never know. Uh, right. You know, can they stay healthy? Can, you know, can they add a piece that, that takes them to the next level? Uh, there's always that stuff going on behind the scenes that uh, – that the average person doesn't quite know about, but, uh, but, uh, it was obviously a year to be excited about and, uh, hopefully they'll keep it moving next year. How fun was it to watch Kevin Love just be, just be caught up in the moment? Like I, I for me as a fan of, you know, I feel like Kevin Love played so stressed for so many years. And this year he just got to be Kevin Love. He just got to have fun. And he came off the bench and like he got his 15, 20 minutes and man, he got up shots. <laughs> and I love it because they went in a lot of times. So I just, I loved Kevin Love getting lost in the game, you know, like, like the thing that he fell in love with and the younger players fed off of him. It was just a really special you know, I hope he comes back. I don't know, you know, I don't know about personnel moves in the future, but I loved for this one year, just watching Kevin Love, just fall in love with the game. That's what I, that's what I saw when I watched games. Yeah, I was, I was happy for Kevin, uh, the year that he had and cause he had struggled for a couple of years, just yeah. the injuries or other things. And, and like you said, it just looked like he wasn't having a lot of fun. Um, a lot of expectations, a lot of weight on his shoulders. And I think he just kind of came to grips this year with the role he accepted. Mm -hmm. He didn't, he didn't try to fight it. He was like, okay, how can I help the team in this role the best way I can? And once he did that, you know, like you said, it just kind of flowed and he started mm -hmm. enjoying basketball again. At least that's what it looked like to me. Right. And, right. uh, you know, kind of got back to playing like the Kevin Love that we all knew, you know, back <laughs> Kevin Love back in the day. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, sounds right. that sounds weird. <laughs> Five <saying>. years ago. <laughs> He's so young, but, but uh, right. you know what I mean. And, uh, yeah, and absolutely. So it was fun. It was fun, yeah, that he, he bought into that and he fed into, you know, how good the young players were and he helped bring those guys along and he supported the, you know, playing with the big lineup and, you know, whatever the Cavs decided to do. And so uh, – you know, I thought his his leadership was by far the best since he's been in Cleveland, and uh, I was glad he had a good year. Loved it. All right, we're, we we I've taken a lot of your time already. We'll keep uh, moving as quick as we can. Um, you were up in Cleveland for the All Star. You got a shirt? Did somebody make a shirt for you? Did I read that? Like, yeah, I had. A do we want to promote that? Cleveland Cleveland Clothing Company uh, put a shirt out uh, during All Star Weekend, and uh, so did uh, GD Art. Uh, came out with a shirt as well. So uh, that was kind of fun. They were kind of cool. I did a couple of appearances That's awesome. for the T-shirts. And uh, I just kind of laugh. It's it's funny that, you know, people still want to make a T-shirt. I mean, one. And uh, two, that people want to want to buy it and wear it. <laughs> I've, always, I've always gotten a kick out of that because I'm just like, okay, that's pretty cool. But uh, yeah. now the Cleveland fans, they're, they're forever the best. Uh, they've always you know, treated me with, with great respect and, and, uh, I love playing there. Uh, just, I've said it over the years. I just always had a great 
unbelievable relationship with the fans there. They got me, I got them. Uh, we were, I don't think there would have been a better place for me to play my career yeah. uh, than for the Cavs. We're going to go through some rapid fire stuff. Uh, we'll go as fast as we can. You might have longer answers. That's fine. They don't have to be one word answers. Okay. Uh, favorite and least favorite arena you played in? I, I would probably have to say the uh, the old Boston Garden. Uh, just least or favorite? Uh, favorite. Favorite. Okay. Favorite. Yeah, it was just such so much history. It was just such a cool vibe in there. You just it was just like the ghost of whatever you know. <laughs> you, right. you go in there and there's just those banners everywhere. It was just, I mean, half of the, there were spots on the floor that the ball didn't bounce. And you had I was going to say, were there dead spots on the floor? Yeah, That's right. Learn where those were and just, I don't know. It was just, uh, it lived up to the hype. Let's just put it that way. Some arenas didn't live up to the hype, but it, it, it did live up to the hype. Um, I think my least uh, favorite place to play was, man. I kind of like playing everywhere, honestly. I mean, I, there's not, I mean, I'm trying to think of a place that I just didn't like to play. But, uh, let me, let me ask this Mark, because it came up. Teams. <laughs> so you were a shooter. It came up at the, uh, the NCAA final four, not a plug for the Tar Heels who were in the championship game, but um, it came up, you know, they played in new Orleans in that massive arena as a shooter that was a big deal. Like a lot of people talked about the fact that the backdrop, right? So was there an arena that you guys played in that had, and did it matter? Like it, not to go to Hoosiers, but the, the basket's still 15 foot, you know, all that, or, you know, whatever, 10 foot, whatever. Like, did that matter to you as a shooter? The the size of the arena, the backdrop, the, all that kind of stuff, or did you just shoot? Yeah, I think the big super, because I remember my first, I can't remember if it was my first or second All-Star game. Uh, might have been my first one was in Houston. And we played it in the Astrodome. We oh, my goodness. Game. And so I just remember we go out there, and this is like the All-Star game, right? The best players in the world. And like right. the five shots, I think, were air balls. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because of the depth perception. And so it, it, right. it was – I was like, okay, guys, we're all stars. We hit the air ball. <laughs> right. you know? And so uh, uh, it definitely makes a difference. I, I never enjoyed playing in those super, you know, I, I know uh, we played in the Silver Dome in Detroit for a while. Right, right. Or the Palace got Before there. the Palace, yeah. Antonio, uh, we played in a big arena. And I just didn't didn't like playing in those those arenas. It was just weird. Uh, just didn't feel feel right uh, yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, who's the hardest player you ever had to guard? And if there's any of these questions you don't want to answer, that's fine. You don't have to even say the name, but, but you can say pass. Uh, so hardest player you ever had to guard? Uh, man, there was a lot of, you know, when I came in the league, the point guard position wasn't a scoring position. No. Um, as a matter of fact, I think my second year when, as a starter, I think I averaged something like 16 points a game or something like that. And I was like the third highest scoring point guard in the league behind Magic and Isaiah. Magic and Isaiah. It yep. just wasn't, you know, more – the NBA's point guard position was kind of more of a Mo Cheeks type mm -hmm. 
field, you know, mm -hmm. run the team, you know, don't turn mm -hmm. it over. If you're open, make a shot. Well, you know, that was one of the reasons people were hesitant, I think, on me coming into the league because I was perceived as a shooting guard in a point guard body. Right, right. And uh, although they didn't understand, I, a lot of teams didn't understand I had the point guard skills, but I, I had to score for us in college for us to win. And so, uh, you know, I think a lot of teams didn't know what to do with that. And that's why I was so great when I ended up with the Cavs because Lenny Wilkins was a, you know, a Hall of Fame point guard. Right. Yep. And I think Lenny saw, as a matter of fact, I think I heard him say it one time, you know, people asked about that. And he said a lot of people saw that as a problem. He saw it as an advantage because he said, I can't teach somebody how to shoot like Mark, but I can teach him the other stuff. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, he saw that it's an advantage because now guys have to guard him. Yeah. It's going to space the floor open because I could shoot the three pointer and stretch the floor. It opened up driving opportunities and opened up opportunities for me to, uh, you know, facilitate and drop it off to the bigs for dunks or, or whatever. So, you know, uh, I was fortunate to go play for a coach that used me and didn't try to change me, right. you know, just try to add to what I already had and, and, and grow me as a player. And so I always felt fortunate to play for Lenny because of that. You you just said it, I, and I saw a video today because I was doing a little bit of homework, um, and I th I sent you. So I, I, actually, that was the second question I didn't get to. Um, there's a clip, an iconic clip. You hit a three during uh, versus the Bulls, and I, I sent you this clip. I don't know if you saw it yet. Um, you sent you hit this three, and you're running on the court, and you pointed, and you said something. Do you remember what you said? Because I don't know. I've always wondered what did he say at that iconic moment when you looked at the crowd and you're like. I don't know. I can't, I'm not a good lip reader. I just know it was a huge moment. Who knows? I was always. Okay. We'll yeah. leave it at that. That's fine. I probably, I was probably saying something stupid like this guy can't guard me or something like that. Who knows? <laughs> it may have been true. It may have been true. I just always wondered, what did you say at that moment? Okay. Um, I'm, and I'm sorry to run fast. Uh, so drafting Kevin Johnson, um, how did that trade you know, at first here they bring in this guy because that was the bottom line. You know, John Bagley, I think, had moved on. And if my history is correct, Bagley had moved on. You're the starting point guard. There really wasn't a backup. Darnell Valentine, I think, was in the mix at some point. Um, but they bring in Kevin. They draft Kevin. And quickly, as you just said, like almost like today's Cavs with Garland and um, um, uh, Colin Sexton, you know, we're, we're making some liberties now, but I'm taking some liberties now, but that's almost the situation that you would have had in Cleveland with you and Kevin, jo Kevin Johnson was a star and going to be a star. Clearly he became a star. Um, there was some log jam there. Then they made the trade that trade. Would you agree that that trade worked out for both teams, which doesn't always often happen. Like somebody always comes out short. Was that a great trade for both teams? Uh, no doubt. It was, it was a uh, Larry Nance, was a perfect guy that we needed. Mike uh, Sanders freed up Kevin uh, to go and kind of play more of a wide open a style of play out in the West Coast with Phoenix that really fit him and allowed him to, you know, develop into a star. But uh, but yeah, that was a you know this backstory to to the Kevin Johnson pick uh, was. 
when that was announced, when they drafted him, we still had John Bagley. And, you know, I had had enough, I had had an up and down rookie year because of my appendix. I got taken out, you know, I missed a month of the season. I wasn't, I wasn't in tip top shape. So I, you know, I had a lot of good games as a rookie. I had a lot of bad games as a rookie. I mean, so, you know, to the Cavs, you know, if I'm looking at it from management standpoint, I probably hadn't done enough to that at that point for them to say, okay, this is going to be the guy. Yeah. And so they draft Kevin Johnson lottery. And, you know, the reality is when you draft a lottery pick, he's going to play. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it, they don't, they're not going to waste a pick and, and not play. I mean, most, most NBA teams. And, uh, and I just never forget, we had an assistant coach named Dick Helm, who was a strong believer and I was close to, and I I spoke at one of their camps after that. And I think he maybe saw that I might've been a little bit uh, worried about my situation because they still had Bagley. I was the backup. They drafted Kevin Johnson. I mean, the, the NBA at that point in time just didn't keep three, no point guards small on the roster and so i'm not thinking this is looking real good for me at the time and i remember dick helm coming up to me that summer and he goes i just want you to know i think this is going to be a great opportunity for you Hmm. and uh i mean he didn't say more than that and uh but it just clicked in my head and he probably knew that bagley was going to get traded when he said that i didn't know that at the time but I just worked and got myself in the best shape of my life, got my game back to where to where I, I wanted it to be. They trade John Bagley, and then Kevin Johnson misses the first two weeks of camp because he's negotiating his contract. Right, I forgot. So about I got that. the whole team. And by the time Kevin showed up, he didn't have a shot. I mean, I yeah. was rolling. Yeah. And even the guys, the media, as I'm close with still, they talk about, I mean, those battles every day yeah. <laughs> against Kevin Johnson were legendary. I mean, mm-hmm. we just went at it. I mean, he was a fantastic player. Uh, I'm glad I got him early. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm right. glad I got him early in this career. Uh, but he was a terrific player, but I was rolling and the team just gelled with me and, and, and to the Cavs credit, like I said, I go back to, you know, even, even with all that, the pressure for them to play a lottery pick ahead right. to me would have been easy to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but to their credit and Lenny's credit, especially, he fought. He, you know, he told me that I earned that. I earned that spot, and so they gave me the chance. Probably waiting for me to flounder at some point uh, mm-hmm. to hand it over to Kevin. But as Kevin said. Many times he goes, if Mark would have just had one bad day, <laughs> you <laughs> know, right. yeah. I've been there. But uh, I, I did everything I could to not have a bad day <laughs> and uh, had a great second year. And they traded Kevin. We get Larry and history made. And that's kind of when we took off. Kevin took off in Phoenix. But uh, it was a win win for everybody. 
I think it goes back to our original conversation and that's faith. You know, like I think that that happens for all of it. I don't know. I think, I think God's timing is perfect. And my mom used to say that all the time, like God's timing is perfect. And that's hard to believe sometimes, but think about that. What you just said, like God's timing was perfect. It, it, there's inputs and outcomes on our part, right? Like we have to make the inputs, but you made the inputs. You got your body ready. You got the team ready. You, you know, you made the inputs, but um, God's timing was perfect in that situation for Kevin and for you. And it worked out. You, you became the face of an organization in Cleveland, along with Brad and, and Larry and those guys. But, you know, like we said throughout this conversation, you know, you, you really connected with a city and your faith, your testimony also connected with a city and still does to this day. So I take it back and I, not to be a Seinfeld episode, but it always comes back to the beginning. <laughs> like that's, that's it. You know, Mark, I think, I think that's what's so special about your story is um, that God opened doors and here, you know, again, Kevin Johnson's a fantastic, incredible player. He became a very good player in Phoenix. Um, and in today's NBA, I would even say this in today's NBA, with all the other stuff, contracts and, you know, you know, I mean, all the other stuff, I don't know that that situation plays out like it did at that time. But, um, you know, for such a time as this, as one of our old CCM, probably favorite bands used to say, as for such a time as this, you were where you were and Kevin was where he was and the Cavs and Cleveland and everybody else. All those pieces came together at the right time. In today's NBA, who knows? Who knows what happens? You know, Kevin's a first-round pick. There's a lot of pressure. You, do you trade a first-round pick? <laughs> you know, uh, different time. I don't know. I, I know I'm rambling a bit, but I, I just think that God's timing is perfect, you know? I agree with you. I, I, no doubt. I mean, we. I was fortunate. I say fortunate because I really believe that to be the case, that I, I played in an era where, where we didn't have – cell phones. We didn't have, you know, at the beginning of my career, we didn't have social media, all the internet, all the, you didn't have, there's always noise, but the noise wasn't magnified to the point that it is now. And so I agree. Does it play out like that? I mean, because all the moving parts behind the scenes wouldn't have been moving parts behind the scenes, but yeah, like it is now it'd be, you know, who knows? Kevin Johnson put this out on Twitter and that, whatever. Right. And, you know, it's just who, you know, just the craziness of of kind of the the world we live in right now. It's a different different way of doing things, and and I feel blessed to have played in the era that I did because, you know, you always had distractions, but they weren't like they are now, in my opinion. It's so powerful that God knew your name, as you said earlier. Just like he will know our name, you know, on that day, he knew your name. He knew you where you were going to play. He knew where you were going to be drafted. He knew where you were going to end up. He knew the time. Like that's that's such a powerful story, Mark. And I think that's why you're all of us, man. I, I think that's what we all hope for. Uh, not to be NBA champion. I'm an intramural champion. I, I, I can hang that banner. <laughs> but you know, I'm not an NBA champion. I didn't play in the NBA. But but you know, I think that's the important part, Mark. Is that we we all we all have a story and God knows our name and, uh, and, and, and the timings for, anyway, I'm preaching the choir, no pun intended choir. Did you like how that was a dad joke? Did you get that dad <laughs> joke? <laughs> all right. 
All right, rapid fire. I'm going to ask you three quick questions, and then I promise we'll get off because you've given me way more than enough time. Uh, what's your favorite movie? Probably of all time, Chariots of Fire. Chariots of Fire. Goodness. Okay. That's way back. That's way back. All right. Uh, this is rapid fire, so I can move. Um, would you take Bart Millard in a game of one-on-one? <laughs> I think it's Millard, but would you take Bart Millard in the game one on one? Basketball, yes, but singing probably not. But can you go one on one and singing? <laughs> I don't. I, don't I, there's probably a reality <laughs> show somewhere that will do that for you. But no, it, basketball one on one. And I, I, I put. I'm not a betting guy, but I put good money on you. All right. Uh, were you? I know you had a daughter that went to the University of North Carolina. So who were you cheering for during the final four, University of North Carolina or Duke? Uh, well, because my daughter was at North Carolina, I had to pull for the Tar Heels. And, uh, obviously, I, I, she, had, she actually had a good relationship with uh, Hubert Davis's wife while, they were, while she was in college. And so we were pulling for Hubert and, uh, you know, hoping they could pull it off. But... Uh, but, uh, you know, it was always, and it was such a, I mean, the whole Duke, uh, Coach K thing going on and, and uh, Carolina, I mean, Carolina beating them twice at the end of the year. That's, just, I mean, for Carolina fans, I guess it doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> it doesn't, sure. Mark. It really doesn't, Mark. It doesn't. Uh, and I, yeah, it doesn't. And so did you ever interact with Coach K at all? Have you ever met him? I did. I, one of the coolest, coolest things I ever actually, when I was my uh, older son was uh, looking at colleges and he was, you know, playing high school basketball and, and we were kind of out doing college visits and things like that. Uh, Duke wasn't recruiting my son, but we were in that area and I called, uh, I think Wojciechowski was an assistant at that time. And I said, we're going to yeah. be passing through Durham. Would it be all right if I showed, stopped and showed my son, you know, the Duke Cameron Indoor Stadium, the whole bit. And, yeah. uh, and they said, yeah, come bring him by. So, so we all went in there and then we, they were kind of giving us the tour and we went by the locker room, by the offices and coach K was on his elliptical and uh, he saw me and he, he called me in, he called me in there and, you know, was really gracious and talked, you know, 10 minutes with my wife and my son and telling them how great I was at tech. And, and, uh, he said, there's only about four or five guys that I've ever coached against that I would have wanted on my team. Hmm. And he said, talking to my, he said, your dad was one of those guys. Wow. So I thought that was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. He may say that to everybody been there. Who knows? But but uh, I, I thought he was very I, I gracious and uh, and appreciated. And we had battles. I mean, Johnny yeah. Dawkins came in for Duke the same year I came in at Tech, and we had this rivalry thing going on, and it was always a big game. But Duke, we split about each year. You know, we always split and uh, ended up playing each other in the tournament most years. So. Uh, a lot of games against Coach K as a player and uh, great memories. So, uh, you know, he was uh, obviously did it for many, many years. 
uh, love him or hate him or whatever people's opinions are of him. He uh, he was one of the, the best coaches that ever coached at the college level for sure. That's awesome, and I I don't believe he probably says that to everybody. I I like you know I I truly believe that probably, and I don't know Coach K from from Adam, but I would say that I I have a feeling he probably meant that genuinely. Um, all right, man, I've taken a lot of your time. We may have to do this again, Mark. And I promise you I'm not going to keep bothering you because I've been bugging you now for a few months to come back on. So I'm just thankful, uh, you know, for our, our uh, friendship and, and um, our CCM uh, throwbacks and all those things and, and your time. Uh, I, you know, I've said it before. I, I said it on our first episode. Thank you for everything that you did for Cleveland and for me personally, uh, for your witness, for your testimony, for your life. Um just thank you. And, and again, thank you for giving me an hour of your time, man. That, that goodness, that, that doesn't, I, I, I can't even put it in words. Uh, you're, you're the best and I appreciate you so much. Always fun, man. Coming on your show here, all the best to you. And, uh, we'll do it again sometime down the road. Real quick before we get off July, July, is it 11th through the, right? Is it July 11th? Yep. July 11th. 11th through the 14th Avon. Avon Lake High School. In a, so I'm sorry. Avon Lake High. All right. So July 11th through the 14th, Avon Lake High School, Mark Price Basketball. I'll have the link in this post. Uh, sign your kids up. It's 11 to 16 ish range for the camp. And yep. one question that that I saw on Twitter, somebody said, "Is Mark going to actually be there?" Because there are people that put these camps on, don't show up. You're going to be there every day, right? Yeah. If it's my camp and my name's on it, I'm there. That's uh, just the way I do things. Awesome. Well, Mark, thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll say it a million times. Thank you. Uh, you're the best. I'm, I'm, uh, forever thankful for you. And, uh, man, I might just pop up there for that 52 intramural championship bracket at the camp, <laughs> put up some bad well, jumpers. Get the ball rolling. As you get that, uh, Get the ball rolling that 35 and over camp, man. We'll work on it. <laughs> First of all, I need to get a sports med uh, group to sponsor it. Because like you said, there's going to be a lot of torn ACLs and Achilles. So we'll get yeah, that going. Yeah, we, we definitely need we definitely doctor on call. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. All right, my friend. Thank you so much. Thanks for being my friend. Thanks for uh, being, giving us your time. And uh, man, I'll talk to you soon. All right, Aaron. Take care. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Unscripted Podcast with your host, Aaron Conrad. Make sure to like, share, follow, and review on your favorite podcast platforms. Also, make sure to check out my song, Great and Mighty One, on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you find your music. We'll see you next time on Unscripted with Aaron Conrad.